bill, roll kill, supper tonight. Blood on my head, and blood on my hands, and we're gonna make a home with deer in the back. Welcome to Underground Opolis, everybody. Brought to you by StreamYard, Anchor, and viewers and listeners like you. If you would like to support this show because you like it, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash Underground Opolis. And I know it's difficult to spell, but... <laughs> and you can support this show for as little as 99 cents a month. If you still want to help us out, you can always hit that thumbs up button right below the video on YouTube or on Facebook or on Instagram where everywhere this is viewed. Tonight we are starting our first installment of the coverage of the Good Vibes and Tribes Music and Arts Festival, Kings Mountain, Kentucky, June 9th through the, I think it's the 9th through the 13th. I really wish I write these things down. But that's my birthday weekend. So if you're there and you want to get, want to get me drunk, it's fine. <laughs> Our first guest for the for the installment of the Good Vibes and Tribes. I'm just going to keep saying it. I let them introduce themselves. Hold on here. I got the microphone on mute. There we go. Tell us who you are. Where you're from? Uh, I'm Ned. My real name is John Barnett, but everybody calls me Ned because my band is called Ned. And uh, I live in Richmond, Kentucky, and we've been jamming since about probably 2014 under the name Ned. I mean, that's really all I got for an intro. <laughs> the name's Ned. Well, we'll start with the easy questions, as always. If no you, big words, please. <laughs> yeah, no, 50, no 50 cent words, man. If, if you saw somebody on stage live or even on TV or anything like that, and you said, you know what? I want to be a musician. Who who would that influence be? And it doesn't have to be just one. Oh, dude, that's hands down Kurt Cobain. You know, his Is energy, it? what he stood for, you know, everything that he done, you know, it was for the greater good of somebody else other than his own. And, you know, that's kind of the way that I, I try to do things because back in Breathitt County, we had a whole bunch of very successful bands just leave us. You know, and we would reach out to them and they 
they got a huge head, you know, and they're like, no, nah, we, we don't mess with local bands or whatever. And that really started us, you know, doing Bloody Breath at Studios. It was a way to get people, you know, together and build communities to build a music scene in Jackson or Eastern Kentucky and, you know, spread, you know, throughout the whole state. Uh, unfortunately, I had to move away from Breath County about 2017 because my grandma passed away. I opened a business. It, it flopped. It was called Ned's Grand Ole Music Store. Um, and the straw that kind of broke the camel's back was my, my best friend, James. He passed away He uh, due to an automobile accident. And I was like, you know, I don't really have nothing else here. You know, I, I did have my dad. And, uh, you know, he still lives down there. And he's kind of landlocked because he owns property and stuff, you know. and But I had to find some other ways and means to support myself or I was going to end up just like most of the people who stay in Breathitt County, either living uh, night to night through other people's homes on drugs or going to jail. And I'm not saying that's everybody down there, but that is a huge majority of it. And they'll never fix that problem until they address it. So, I mean, that that's kind of, you know, my thing. But back to the original question of, you know, what inspired me, you know, just being in an isolated area like that, it made me feel, I don't know, it kind of feel me and Kurt Cobain, we was kind of on the same level as far as where we, our opportunities, you know, could grow at and where he lived close to Seattle. Uh, and he also had more people doing music there. You know, he had a little bit better chance, but in Eastern Kentucky, there wasn't that many people, especially doing the style that we did, uh, which, you know, became later known as to some people, Appalachian grunge. You know, it's kind of like a southern, a southeastern swing type music, but it's heavy as hell. Do you have a, do you, are you the majority songwriter or do you, do you collaborate? Do you guys have a, a process you use to write your songs? Well, we want to collaborate with all artists in the band, but band members come and go and we've, we've known that they've come and gone for like two or three years. And I've been, you know, the original Ned in this whole project, you know, so I've kept it going and I found bass players or I found drummers, you know, and here we are now, you know, we're, we're touring Louisville, we're touring Cincinnati and, you know, it's, it's been really good for us. You know, I, I consider it more like the second generation of Ned because the first generation is all its own. You know, that's when we was back home in Eastern Kentucky and we was touring Eastern Kentucky. But now it's, the, it's like the second generation and we're trying to grow and get bigger and actually, I don't, I don't know, become more like a band in the scene. You know what I guess? Instead of just an independent band just playing for the fun of it. We got a purpose. Right on, man. Right on. Let's see. Lost my place again. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> Can you tell us about your favorite show you played? There's been, there's been a couple favorite shows. Um, I think I added them all up here about last year when we did Metal on the Ridge. And Metal on the Ridge would have been my 100th show. And we probably did maybe 20 since then. I don't know. Last night was pretty fun. We played up at the Air Devils Inn up there in Louisville, where, where you're from. And it was it was a killer show, man. It was uh, promoted by Biohazardous Records. And... Uh, I mean, there was there was a bunch of good bands on there. It was it was us. It was Pharaoh Hound. They come all the way from Fort Wayne, Indiana, and then there was Untold Relic. You know, and we had Untold Relic at Metal on the Ridge last year, and they was 
they was really good, man. And they're yeah, all yeah. them guys are awesome people, you know. And yeah. I, if you ever get a chance to go see them or hang out with them, go do it. I'm telling you, it's worth it. But yeah, last great. night we we just had that crowd support, you know. Daryl just walked in here. Stand up here, Daryl. Introduce introduce oh. people. So my name's Daryl, but not really, but it's Daryl. His real name's Daryl, but we call him Daryl. Everybody in Ned has their own Ned name. My name's actually John. Everybody calls me Ned. His name's Derek. Everybody calls him Daryl. You know, and we have a old drummer. His name's Stevie, but he was going by Sativa Steve. You know, and uh, now we just call him like the OG Ned or the original Ned, or you know, I don't want to call him the old forgotten Ned because no one ever. You know, we haven't forgot about him, you know, and I just want to make that clear that he's always still a part of the songwriting creative, you know, because he, me and Stevie is the ones who founded Ned uh, about eight miles up a holler in the middle of a hell country called Jackson, you know, <laughs> so we didn't have nothing else to do. And, you know, I want him to be a part of that as much as he possibly can. So best wishes to Stevie out there. And, you know, I hope he's doing good. Actually, I know he's doing good because I still check in on him about every three weeks. I'll go down there and see him. So, yeah, he's doing good. Um, what was the question again, man? I, I, I'm off topic. <laughs> Your favorite show? <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I mean, there's there's been it's, – it's easier to tell you. Like, I don't really have one specific show, but I have a lot of my favorite moments, okay? Um, we played up at the Sirens Club one time, and – I, I had this guitar that this pedophile bought for me when I was a kid and, you know, like, some stuff happened and he went to jail and uh, I had this guitar and it just had like an aurora about it. I didn't want to play it or anything. So I grabbed it one day and I carved in the back of it with a screwdriver, kill all pedophiles. And I held that up at the, in, at the end of the show and I smashed it at, at the end of that show, you know, to, to relieve that guitar of its demons and everything like that. It almost like released it, you know. If you if you would have had like any kind of like ghost sensors or UV things there, like you would have seen like a spirit come up out of that guitar, and you know, I put it back together and it works, so it, it it's okay. You know, I just hurt its feelings. Uh, I think I may have watched that video. <laughs> yeah, it was it was at the Sirens Club, man. It was the very first show I think they did at the Sirens Club, maybe Hellfest uh, 2019 or 2020. I think it was 20. Because um, we played 18, I think you played 18 too with us. Uh, uh, up in uh, Indiana, Friendship, Indiana. I think it's 19. Uh, it's 19, okay. Yeah, I get yeah, my dates so. wrong, man. They just all flow That's together. Right. If it's not the 70s, 80s, and 90s, I, that all just runs together. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was, that was probably one of my favorite moments because I, I wanted to do that forever, but I don't believe in smashing guitars to be smashing guitars. I would rather give it to somebody that wants it to learn how to play, not smash it. But there was something about that guitar that I just couldn't give it to another kid. I couldn't give it to any person, you know, knowing the history behind that guitar. Right. Uh, Metal on the Ridge, I put a uh, an unnamed company shirt on a stick, lit it on fire, and, you know, was holding it around, you know. That was pretty cool. Um, and then the last show, last Thursday in Lexington, uh, I was playing this guitar. It was my backup guitar. And it kept on, the strap kept falling off of it, you know, and I was like, fuck it. And I just chucked it, man. I chucked it off the stage, just grabbed my other guitar and just kept playing. So, yeah, that's probably like my three favorite moments, really. Bad shoes. Well, here's the counter question. What's your least favorite show? 
my least favorite show is any show that <laughs> band members don't take it seriously. Any show could be a shitty show. Uh, but the worst show to date is Artificial Hatred, Metal on the Ridge. Uh, what was it? 2020 or no, two, tw 2021 last year. Um, yeah, that was a shitty show, man, because I paid a lot of money to have video, good sound and everything. And members just didn't take it seriously. And I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that on camera. You know, they, they know they didn't take it seriously. And that's why some of them are out of the band now. And that's why we took a hiatus and, you know, we're coming back and we got some new members. We got some old members coming back. That's not shitty members. Um, so it's going to be a really good time, man. I, I believe we're going to our first show. I think it's going to be here in about three weeks, two or three weeks at the battle of the bands that biohazardous is doing at 21st in Germantown. Yeah. Uh, Ned's playing on the first date. Artificial hatred's playing on the second date. You know, and if we win out of one of them two or whatever, we're going to go on to a third date. But I mean, each, each band, I don't know if you've heard, you've heard both probably. They're completely different sounds and, you know, yeah. different members and stuff like that. So, I mean, and I take both bands as seriously as the other. Not mentioning my third band that I have out that I haven't mentioned to anybody yet. The only thing I'm going to say, it's black and death metal. So what's, what's so, everybody's role in Ned? What's your role in Ned? Um, well, I guess I'm the head, Ned. I play guitar and sing or scream or make a bunch of fucking noise. Sorry, I don't know what the, the statue of limitations is on cussing or whatever on your show. Right, you uh, say whatever you want on this show. Okay, <laughs> I don't cool, give a shit. cool. <laughs> I, I figured you didn't, man, with all the dirty comedy songs you make, but I, I just I didn't know who was watching. Uh Derek, Daryl, he plays the bass. He thumps like a motherfucker. And then uh we're kind of in a an awkward drummer situation right now. We have our old drummer Logan. Uh, he's kind of like a fill-in drummer when we need one. And then we also have Jake from another band called Euclid. He's also a fill-in drummer. And we've been playing a lot of shows with Jake. And, you know, I, I kind of want him, you know, to commit with Ned, but not if it's going to hurt his other band because I don't, I, don't, I don't believe in hurting other people's stuff for my own. So if there's any drummer out there that wants to play in Ned, let me know, and we will work out something. Uh, we're from Richmond. We practice in Richmond. We, we're probably going to do it, um, I don't know, two or three times a month to start out, and then we're going to start replacing, like, practices with shows and uh, just over time. So if there's anybody out there that can, you know, play drums, just hit me up. I don't really have any selling pitch for that. You know, if you want to play drums, hit me up. Well, how many songs do you have out? Do you have full records out? Or I say records, but... Well, I, I guess you could say records or releases, compilations yeah. of songs that you would consider albums, uh, like a collection of songs. Um, I, I'm currently, where's my black folder at? I think we're on the BBS number, like 86 of, of albums we've released. And that's just what BBS. Before BBS, I had Fork Studios. And I think we ended it on like 42. So like there's around 120 different albums of different collections of songs, varying qualities, uh, re-releases, releases, live performances, singles, you know. But there's about 120 different releases from, you know, me. Well, since it is my show, I get to talk about my favorite song, which is Willy Wonka and the Meth Lab. 
<laughs> What's the That's story behind, behind Willy Wonka and the meth lab? Okay, Willy Wonka is, it's kind of, when we first started Ned in 2014, I wrote three songs. I wrote The Name's Ned, which is completely different to what it is now, Willy Wonka and the Meth Lab, and Ghost Pepper in the Sky. We wanted it to have more of like a, a psychedelic kind of sounding thing, which it, it didn't come out at first. And I don't know if it's come out yet, but uh, Willy Wonka and the Meth Lab takes you on an adventure of, you know, and it explains to people in a dark, twisted way why Willy Wonka's chocolate is so addicting. How could he get the whole world to go along with this scheme of a golden ticket just to go on a tour of this chocolate factory? He got people hooked on meth. It's the only answer, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I want to say that our songwriting has came a long way since Willy Wonka and the Meth Lab, but you wouldn't have certain songs out right now if you didn't have some kind of teenage angst and misinformation in there, you know. You wouldn't have good songs. So uh, it's just it's just a cool little song, man. And it was one of the very first songs we ever did. And the only, and I, I'll tell you this, the only version that that song has ever been released besides, you know, some live tracks here and there is I, I used to live in Winchester and I come down and I recorded on a cell phone. Well, we took that cell phone video, uploaded it to YouTube. Then we downloaded the YouTube video off, pulled the MP3 track away from it, and then uploaded that onto our album. So it's kind of like, the same track amongst three different things back in the day. We was very limited on what we could have done. We just wanted to get our music out so people could hear it, regardless of quality. Well, what's your favorite song to play live right now? Uh, probably The Swamp. We ain't been able to do it here recently. Jake's still learning it. Logan kind of knows it, but we jammed it the other day and we had to stop and fuck, it fucked up and, and it was kind of disappointing, but The Swamp, man, it's, it's just that down south creepy swampy just coming up from the ooze sound and i can really accentuate my stage performances and stuff with that song because of the way it's wrote that's all that's all i can really say about it you know uh the swamp came off of an album our self-titled album and we really wanted to write an album and not really use cuss words in it you know, because some people say cussing in songs is a lazy way of getting through the songwriting process. Uh, you know, you could easily, you know, put fuck in a place where you could put like a very intelligent word and people overuse it a lot anymore. Uh, just to string along sentences or whatever, they don't really think about what fuck means or what shit means or anything. There's specific times and places and songs that those apply and are being overused. So on the self-titled album, we really wanted to make an album that we could possibly get on the radio, regardless of how heavy it was or whatever. We didn't want the content of the music to limit us. Well, what we didn't realize is we still painted ourselves in the corner talking politics and talking about killing and murder and all these horror aspects that the common folk just don't like, especially Bible thumpers and, you know, people like that who control what people listen to down uh, in Breathitt County and the good old boy system and stuff. So we still got screwed regardless. <laughs> oh, 
probably not, man. <laughs> well, we wrote we, we just, wrote a good album out of it, man. Yeah. You know, and and I don't know if the other people consider it good, but we worked really hard on that album, and we we it we recorded it in a lot of different studios, and sometimes driving down the road in a car, we recorded vocal tracks. So I mean, yeah. it, it was just a wild time, and the product was you know good to me but it didn't live up the expectations amongst others so i don't know would you would you say you preferred the studio or the stage the stage for sure man because the stage it's it's almost a lawless chaotic environment that you can't you don't have no control over once the wheels are moving this the show's on you know one, once a wrestling match gets into the ring they don't stop until the bell rings. You know, that's the same way it is on stage. Uh, so, being in a studio... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. Uh, being in a studio, you just have more control over everything, and you can gloss over things. If you mess up, you can just copy and paste and edit and stuff, and it makes it too clean in some ways. Like, I like the rawness, and I like to actually hear the music. You know, I would almost 10 out of 10 rather hear a band in their practice space than hear their album that's done in a $1,000 studio. <laughs> Excuse me. But that doesn't say that that music is bad because they're, they're both good music. Do you want a glossier, more well-defined sound, or do you want a raw, more truer sound? You know, that's that's my opinion. Well... If you could work with any producer, who would that be? I'm going to have to say Butch Vig. <laughs> Very popular answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was really the only one that came to mind at the time because I don't really I don't really know producers. You know, I, I like the, the method behind Kais' producer. The It was either the first producer they had or the second producer they had. Uh, I don't know if anybody knows what who Kais is, but... Kais is a band, you know, out of uh, the desert scene over in uh, Palm Desert, California. And they had a really raw sound. And the producer heard them out in Los Angeles and said, I don't want another producer to get a hold of this band and turn it into the shitty 80s music that we hear today. So he went out and he recorded them at their, their rawest, their finest, whatever you want to call it. And that's why we have certain stoner metal and they really help pave the way for stuff like that. It's it's a sound all its own, and if you don't like it, you don't like it. But I don't see how you couldn't. Caius is the fucking bomb. Caius went on to become Queens of the Stone Age. and uh, Well, the one that. guy but, did. The, the and one and guy, then he forbidden the other members to... He forbidden the other members not to play Caius anymore. So I kind of... When it comes to Josh Home, my opinion on that is kind of strayed just because... His opinion is if you wasn't there, you shouldn't be able to, to enjoy it now. And I, I find that selfish. You know, I really do find that selfish, especially when all the members from Kais want to do it, but he's the only member saying, no, nah, we can't do it. And the reason is money. He don't want to miss out on those Queens of the Stone Age concerts, making millions and millions and millions to go play with right. Kais. It's, it's business, yeah. and that's just the way it runs. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, you uh, got... What would you like to add in before we wrap it up? Start running out of time. Uh, I ain't never wrapped in anything in my life. <laughs> That's my dad joke for the week. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
But but I knew yeah, I do know some people that couldn't even pull out of a driveway, you know. So that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so let, let let me just give a you know a lowdown of like our tour schedule and stuff where where we're gonna be playing at. Um, mostly we're gonna be playing in Louisville here in April. Uh, we play the twenty first, uh, the first weekend as Ned. We play the twenty first, the second weekend as Artificial. And if we win out of that one of them two, then we're gonna play the third weekend at the twenty first as you know the the finals of the battle. Uh, the last weekend we're gonna be playing a show here in Berea. Well, over there in Berea, I'm from Richmond. It's same damn county though. Uh, it's called Allies Farm. It's it's uh, a benefit. Um, I don't remember right offhand what the name of it is, and I apologize. Uh, I have had a lot of stuff going on, but that's that one. Next month, I don't think we really have anything booked for next month. I mean, uh, May. Seems like we do, but I'm not for sure. And in June, we play the Good Vibes and Tribes Festival. So I do know that. Um, Let's plug in it. Plug in as much about that real quick while we can. Like, did you? Is this your baby? Is this? Well, it, it, it's not really my baby per se. It's it's Stacy's baby. Okay, uh, Stacy Hines. She's our uh, vice president of Bloody Breath Studios, and uh, we have another guy. His name is Biz, and he's been one of our good friends forever. And he he runs his own. Uh, sacred values like tattoos and promotions and stuff like that over Bowling Green area. He's from Detroit. He's always going around and hanging out with different rappers and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, this was his idea because he bought Angel Ridge property. We no longer have to rent it out. We own Angel Ridge or at least on, you know, on paper biz does, but it's, it's all our property, man. You know, that's, he, he told us like, if you all ever want to throw a show out here, consider it your property, you know, it's, it's, it's family. And so we got, we got Angel Ridge and now it's just called the Ridge. Uh, and that was a shock to me, you know, you know, because Angel Ridge has always been the name, but now it's the Ridge and that's cool too. You know, I don't really have a problem with it. Or I can't say yeah or nay on that. It, but uh, the Good Vibes and Tribes Festival, uh, you said the dates earlier, uh, what, June 9th through the 13th, 13, something like 13. that. I believe so, uh, that, yeah. The ninth is a Thursday, and that's for, like, our uh, people who have, like, campers and stuff. They want to come set up, spend the night the day before. That way they can already be there. That's It's early access, basically. Uh, the, the show actually starts on Friday, uh, and I just say be there at, like, noon or 1. Uh, we got singer-songwriters, country acts, bluegrass acts on Friday, and then we have your rock bands and, you know, other acts on Saturday and on Sunday, we're going to have uh, rap, hip-hop, electronic music, stuff like that. So we really – I can't stress this enough because we get labeled as a, a metal or a rock label all the time, and that's completely incorrect. For one, we're not a label. We are a, a managing network, if you want to say something like that. We help get band shows. We help them make connections. You know, we're not shy about, you know – reaching out to somebody for you if you want to get into a venue if we know them we'll hit them up you know as long as you're a good person you've not screwed us over before you know we'll we'll help you out but the other part of that was wrong because we're not uh we don't just do rock i didn't start out in rock uh, um well i guess i did start out in rock when i was real real young but i, I learned bluegrass music in college 
And then I, I started hanging out more with, you know, rappers and hip hop artists and learning how they make beats and how their business works and uh, song, singer songwriters. And I can't say one genre is better than the other. So I'm not. I want to promote all genres of music. I want to I want to bring heavy metal people and bluegrass people together. I want to see them mingle together and trade knowledge and stuff because that's the only way we grow. Um, that goes all the way back to the Coldfield days uh, in Eastern Kentucky where you had all these, it was a big melting pot of all these different countries and uh, or ethnics and all kinds of stuff. And at the end of the day, they would all get together and they would play music together, you know, and that's kind of the same way with all these little genres that people make up all the time. But to me, it's all music. It's good music. So that's why we are doing a big three-day festival with all different types of genres. We want to say, Bloody Breathy Studio stands for all genres of music. That's awesome. Where do we get tickets? Um, you know, I haven't bought tickets myself. I don't need to buy tickets, <laughs> but uh, I'll get Stacy to put a link somewhere. Uh, she she has a website up. You can get a. You can also get them from the bands too. Some of the bands are going to have physical tickets if you know bands. Uh, you that that's a way to help them out and give them money because. I'm pretty sure if they sell tickets, they get 100% of those ticket sales just for going out and getting people to come to the festival. You know, they get to make oh, the wow. money off those tickets. Cool. Oh, we're, yeah. we're not oh. money hungry, man. We're not. We're, we're on our way to going into a nonprofit organization just to help bands. And, you know, I work a nine to five. I don't need to scam people out of their money to, to do it. I love doing music, not for the money. But the money's part of it, and you have to learn to deal with it. And I wanted to get it on my hands as less as possible. Because money equals shit. And if you deal with shit, you get it on you. 